This is NAGP Resurrection, the show where we talk about this week's gaming news and a topic which I believe the topic for tonight is our favorite sounding game. Is that correct, Mike? I totally just blanked on that. Yeah. All right. A favorite sounding game. I got that right. Then game recommendations or really just pretty much what we've been playing. And then final thoughts. Uh, I'm your host, Joseph Brissett. And with me, I have Lionel. I'm hungry. Jumper Cables! Oh, he is hungry. What are you Happy hungry for? Happy birthday, Jumper Cables! Oh, is... <laughs> it's the dirty 30 today! Dirty 30. Happy birthday to you! Cha-cha-cha. Happy birthday, Jumper Cables! Dirty. <laughs> <laughs> A promise of a decade of loneliness. Damn. The big 3-0. That's a 3-0. F. Scott, F. Scott Fitzgerald's words. No, yeah. That's mine. <laughs> well, okay. people lived a lot shorter lives back then. And they were shorter. Yeah, they were. It's true. <laughs> it's very true. Just look at Tom Cruise. All right, Mike. How are you, buddy? All things considered, I'm okay. All right. He's okay. All right, this is going to be good. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. All right. Okay. Our first article is... (laughs) So in the last show, we had talked about this awesome fan project that the guy was trying to recreate the Metal Gear Solid game in the Unreal Engine. Everyone was excited for it, and now there's an article saying that it's been shut down. So it's... Yeah. I I looked a bit... I looked a bit deeper into it, and they're really on his Facebook page. He didn't really give a reason why. They just said it's done. They're they're just closing it down. But well, they said for some sort of reasons. I read it, but I don't remember. But I mean, you know, Konami sent oh, yeah. a letter, and I wouldn't put it past Konami to have been like, and also don't fucking say shit that we said to do this. Yeah, that's oh God. That's what I'm thinking. Probably happened too. Sounds to be pretty dirty. But I mean, yeah. honestly, even if it wasn't Konami, it, any company would not be cool with this. Yeah, that's true. Except I mean, Valve. it's right. Well, they love that. They love that stuff to no, death. Well, I mean, they probably yes. would end up like hiring them. Well, they actually—that's what. Did there it? was a fan remake of Half-Life One in right. Half-Life Two, and they like sanctioned it, and they they sell it on the store now. Yeah. But Konami at this point, no one, they just, yeah, it's Konami. Oh, well, they're they're a joke in this industry now. Pretty much. The new EA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, EA, I mean, they've done some, they've done some really bad practices when it comes to developing games and behind the scenes. I mean, a long time ago, there was that a famous open letter from one of the wives of the developers who worked at one of the, the studios that EA owned, telling, telling them how bad the conditions were and blah, blah, blah. And we've known many times that EA has been voted one of the, the worst companies in America multiple times. But, I mean, as of late, they've been, they really haven't been... Yeah, you know. well, you touch on a lot of... It. You touch on a lot of th- things there. Uh, one, I remember that, and that it's kind of the nature of the game, for better or for worse. I don't think those conditions are unique to EA, really, but it, 
probably were bad, and I'm sure she had her points to make. Um, and what was the other thing I was going to say? What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing was they have been voted multiple for multiple oh, years. Oh yeah, well that's company. fucking people voting on that is just people were being, you know, they love to complain about anything. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I remember when that was happening and I was like, you know, yay, they're they're annualizing certain things or they're doing whatever, but they're also giving a shit like Mirror's Edge and like Skate and all these other interesting weird little projects. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean they they've definitely gotten better. By I mean by far. I mean yeah, but that was around the time there was they were they were the easy target back then. There was something I can't remember what it was, but there was something big. I can't remember why were people upset with them. Yeah, yeah, there were a couple of occasions. I can't. I don't know why I can't remember what the hell that was. Do you remember Lionel? I'm. I don't know what he's talking about. I feel like we probably talked about it on the old show. Yeah, I'm sure we did, but I don't know. Mm. Either way, I I'm actually really happy with a lot of the games they're coming out with now. And like you said, I mean, Mirror's Edge. I'm so happy they yeah. they greenlit that. I mean, I mean I, they came out and said that, and they were like, you know, we there was one of those games that didn't sell well, and it sold more over time. And mm. someone was asking them about it, and they're like, well, you know, we still don't expect this one to sell well, but we're going to do it because we make our money with these other big franchises that people give yeah. them shit for pumping money into. But it's like, those generate the revenue, and then it lets them to, if Mirror's Edge 2 comes out at a loss, it's still, it's they gave something to the fans. Well, no, um, Capcom was doing that for a while. This is back when they had uh, Clover. Like they set up a unique studio just for their crazy artsy shit while they were pumping out money with a Mega Man name dash sign dash whatever the fuck. Yeah. I'm okay with this strategy as long as there's like, well, I can't really tell these people what to do with their money, but like I'm, I'm more love for a company that like takes their excess and puts it towards something unique. Yeah. Interesting. This is why people love Sony right now. Oh, they're doing so well. They've been doing that for a while. Um, That's how they get people like Kojima on board. Damn straight. But yeah, another thing is, (laughs) it's like, when EA, EA, I remember Pactor pointing this out, when EA was voted worst company in the world, it's like, it doesn't matter because they're so big and Gamers just refuse to vote with their dollars, so it doesn't matter. They're still making money. Yeah, very true. Um, which is, and when you think about it now with Konami, it's like, I think we're going to see that actually happen. Like, Konami has fucked up so badly that if they even try to. Not that they even will try, is the thing. Nobody expects them to actually try to make another Metal Gear game, even though they said they would, or another Castlevania. Like, if they try and do it, it's like, I, I honestly don't think people are going to go for it. They're just mm-hmm. crazy over there. They're crazy. <laughs> they really are. Did you guys ever watch that E3 conference that they did? Yeah. 
Wait, wait, no, no. At E3, I thought you talked. No, I didn't. Oh, what happened? It was just crazy. Was, <laughs> this guy came out and he was, he had a really funny accent and he just like did not give a shit about his presentation and he was just like, please clap and shit. And then there's like, I want to say there were like luchadors and there's like people wearing masks and lots of really strange like like deadpan humor. It was like somebody said, okay, let's do something crazy, but they they waited till like five minutes before the show started to actually plan it. Fuck, Jesus. It's, it's pretty insane. You can look it up. I forget what year it was, but if you just look up Konami at E3... It's the most bizarre thing ever. It's it's incredibly strange. Huh? Yeah, they <laughs> they they don't know what they're doing at this point. Getting weird, man. All right. Uh, <laughs> so this next article, um, ambitious Fallout mod. This is by Kotaku, and also actually say for the last one. The first article is from VentureBeat, but for this particular article, bro, is by Kotaku. Ambitious Fallout. Uh, mod takes the series the series into space and this is a mod of uh, new vegas and i've been looking at some of the trailers and apparently they've been working on this mod for well over a year and it looks crazy you can like just ride tanks you're on a like a spaceship this looks fucking nuts they spent they put a lot of work into this it seems like did you guys watch the trailer at all or see any of the pictures yet uh, no, I didn't really get a chance to look at it. Um, space, huh? Yeah, man, I don't give a shit. Bethesda's games don't run on my computer. <laughs> well, and actually, that's, and that's not because they don't. That's not because they don't meet the requirements. Hmm. Well, that's. Well, I mean, I th- Mike, I thought you. I mean, I know you said that you like sci-fi stuff, and are you? A, I, I thought you were a Fallout fan. Were you or? What did no. I just say, Joe? get them to run yeah well okay so they made speaking to the whole the games running as shit the guy made a comment in his article saying that talking about their game engine and how bad it is and how that these guys were actually trying to fix a lot of the issues by extending the engine and really Mm -hmm. scripting it and just going nuts with it so all the stuff they're doing they're really trying to make this game feel really solid unlike all their other games so they're that trying to go, good. yeah. They're trying to go above and beyond when it comes to the actually <laughs> making the game play and feel good. So, Cotton in mod hell because I like the the concept. It's yeah. Like, mm, you know, it's you know, yeah. I get Bethesda game installed onto my computer. It's just like, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it really if Fallout. That's true because you have you probably have since it's a mod of New Vegas, you have to have New Vegas, and if New Vegas just running like shit. Even if the mod is fixing a lot of that, the fact is mm. it's still built on top of a already poorly well, running hey, game. Fallout Three wouldn't even I couldn't mm. I couldn't even install it. Uh, PC. It's just it's such a it's fucking disaster. Mm. I would have to I googled it and there's all this shit that I'd have to like. Download. It's like I don't want to do all. This. It's like, wow. why can't I just download the game, install it, and play it? It's, I don't know. If, if only it was that it's, simple. Well, outside of the, 
all these horrible problems, which are totally understandable because their games are are buggy, as we've talked about many times before. It is so they're really disasters. neat to see. Yeah, that they are going this far with it. I mean, it really does seem like they're putting a lot of effort and time into making this mod into something really unique and different. So kudos to that. Um, all right, so this next article, I was actually going to take this one out, but Lionel had some words on this one. Success- yeah, I don't, know why, I don't know why you were going to take this one out. Yeah, successful. Under, it's because we had talked about articles really similar to this before. I don't know if it was too much. but uh, It's important to recognize the trends. So what were you saying, Lionel? So this is definitely something worth talking about, and it's, it's a the two point thing too. It's not uh, very straightforward, but um, Joe, uh, go ahead and describe it real quick. Okay, so the name of their article, <clears throat> excuse me, a successful hundred thousand dollar Kickstarter devs call it quit due to the drama. So apparently, unlike all the other articles, uh, excuse me, stories we were talking about previously, like the whole ant simulator with this bear simulator game. <laughs> Um, apparently it had actually been funded and everything had worked out, but there was just a lot of, like, after, basically everything that was happening after that. Is that, Lionel, is that what was interesting to you? Or? There was something very specific here in that a uh, YouTube Let's Player, maybe one of the biggest, some uh, weird guy by the name of PewDiePie, uh, <laughs> does, does, a, does a Let's Play of the game, and apparently it goes so south. Uh, the end of the video has him. Oh, excuse me. Uh, the end of the video has him yelling at uh, uh, his screen with the Steam page on it, trying to get his money back. And uh, this sort of opened the floodgates. Whether it was just trolls, fans of PewDiePie, or people who'd had bad experiences, uh, they they just tore into this poor guy. And after that, he just kind of you know, he left those messages saying, "Okay, yeah, I'm done. I'll uh, honor some of these uh, Kickstarter rewards, but after that, I'm through." This is just it was drama. It's uh, here's one aspect of the game industry, and here's another aspect of the game industry, and now this one is screwing up the other. Yeah, I mean, how did PewDiePie get big? Because of what Lionel just said, <laughs> exactly that. Because of just the mindless screaming and just going on about the games. Idiot. I it's tried watching. Screaming thing. It's like because I've noticed that in that anime too. There's a lot of like hyper spastic reviewers who get a ton of views, and all they're doing is just angrily, angrily and exasperatedly being like, "What are you talking about?" And they just like find like five or six different ways to say that. But that shit drives me crazy. Like Yahtzee, I could never stand Yahtzee. Mm. Yeah, and Pie, I tried. I was I tried watching his let's play of because I'd heard the name and I tried watching his let's play of MGS5 and I'm just like, why do people like this guy? Like, Apparently, the only reason to watch him is to watch him play like survival horror games and freak the fuck out. They've made like a TV show out of that. Uh, I just don't get it. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the other point to be said here is just we're seeing these 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 situations where it started off where it was all bright and happy with you know um, 
Double Fine getting their stuff kickstarted. And but this is the again, this is the other side of it. But it's also something that like this person is he got kickstarted, but he's just he's he's not a developer. He's not a professional and as such doesn't know how to plan or conduct himself professionally. Like just looking at the way, you know, he gives updates and his explanation for these things is very much um, you know, like that that Metal Gear Solid uh, fan remake. Like the their post on their Facebook page was very like professional. Like they didn't give a lot of details. There wasn't a lot of emotions. They just stated facts. But this guy is, you know, he's kind of he's just Wearing one guy. Yeah, he's just one guy, and he he's with a hundred thousand dollars all of a <laughs> sudden, and he's got all this pressure on him. Um, and we started. Of you know all the shit that happened to Fish, it's kind of it's just this under end. Other, it's how this end of the industry is in so many ways the opposite of the other end, where it's like professional, like feature our fans. We have time, names, and budgets, and and even if it's bad, we'll release it. We'll fulfill what we say we're going to fulfill, um, and we're not going to, you know, bring our personal lives into this. But then it's, it's, so yeah. But there are definitely perks for the indie scene existing. But then it's like you have stuff like this, where it's. Yeah, like I'm not even necessarily devil's advocate, but I'm not even sure if you could call this a counterpoint. But like, I appreciate something like this because it reminds. All these reviewers, all these people who you know go out there just just looking to tear things apart, that there are real people on the other ends of this, and there are real people that can be hurt. Um, what stands out to me in regards to this is just how big the whole let's play scene has become. When it can single-handedly tear down a game, like derail it completely. Yeah, yeah, but that's the. I mean, that plays into it too, like. The people at the studios have they're they're learning how to how to deal with shit like this. So they they've learned they've learned that you know not everything they do is going to receive praise, and they and they're aware of their own faults too. And this is very much like this is like pulling a, a design student out of like school and then and then giving him a big budget and say do whatever you want before he has. Like the emotional intelligence to deal with it, so, so it's, it's kind of dangerous in a way. Well, the other thing too is that like this is one guy here. Normally, something with like budgets like this has a team. You normally have someone who's devoted specifically to fielding issues like this. Like you yeah. have like managers for and stuff like that. Yeah, so this is. The- oh, I don't know. It kind of. It to read this story and see like somebody come into something with all this enthusiasm just just get broken. Yeah, it's uh, this 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 also happened with uh, the creator of Flappy Birds. With I don't know if you guys can remember that game was yeah. incredibly <laughs> popular for like a short period of time, and the the guy was just some person in Korea, I believe, just making the game by himself, and he just was not 
prepared for the type of overwhelming fame that he was going to get. And it really kind of came out of nowhere when he, when they asked him, why uh, were you expecting all this when you posted this game? And he said, no, I, I, I mean, I just threw together some random assets and some music I found and I, I just put it up on the store. I, I did not intend for it to get as big as it did. And it became so overwhelming for him that he ended up just taking the game down and kind of just like, going just disappearing for a while because he just couldn't take it anymore it was just too much and it it almost feels like outside of helping developers or just people who start making their own games uh just helping them with the marketing and publishing all that stuff but they also kind of it almost seems like they need to have some sort of like psychological training like how to get mentally prepared for if it does get big or how to interact with other people or just you know stuff like that because it's hard yeah yeah, you know, it's very hard. Have it's a like, team, the division of all this stuff. It's not. I mean, Philfish went through that kind of stuff as well. I mean, these are things. It's just, it's hard. Yeah, it's because we're, it's a new space. Um, it's like, starting out, it has all the things that, like, if you're getting into game design, there's probably it's probably evolving, right? What you learn first, probably. 10 years ago they were in like here read this book and read this book and study this and play this game and study all these things and now all that stuff is paying off uh, on the money side but mm-hmm. um, now it's on other people to look at this and step up and say okay now here's another part that you have to worry about is how to deal with public perception and reaction yeah. you know which is probably just as important yeah, and and honestly, I think it's something that's it's completely overlooked because, like you said, it's just, it is still all really new, and I think it's just it's starting to pop up more as these uh, when we have things like Kickstarter and other things that kind of let people get so famous so quickly. But it, it definitely feels like we need yeah. some sort of training for that sort of thing as well. Yeah, and it's another thing to just. <laughs> I mean, as a society, we're still getting used to all this technology too, yeah. right? Like we're we're the first generation that's like we grew up and we we're kind of like the adaptive generation where all this shit pops up and then we learn how to use it. Um, and then the one behind us is just used to having all this shit. Mm. Yeah. Um, and somewhere there's got to be some education, maybe even taught in schools. Um, actually, definitely taught in schools about how to not, you know, not only carry yourself and interact with people in a physical space, but also in the digital space and what's acceptable and what's not. And, and people should be taught about like the repercussions of, of mass shamings on the internet and things like that. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, well, I shouldn't say thankfully, but with, because of the whole Gamergate stuff, at least that, that conversation is starting to happen a bit more of trying to understand <coughs> yeah. that type of um, what they could do to, do to a yeah. person. Exactly. Yeah. It's time to be explored more. Well, it, it's, you guys are right. It was definitely a good conversation to have. I mean, it is, we are seeing more of it happen now, but these experiences are things that need to be talked about more so people have a better understanding of how to deal with them in the future. Alrighty, next article here. This is a sad one. This made me sad. Is uh, it's from Polygon. Microsoft cancels Fable Legends. Plans to shut down Lionhead Studios. 
which is and in on the Xbox website, Microsoft Europe uh, made the the official statement saying that they're shutting down uh, Lion <coughs> Lionhead Studios, but also to another one called Press Play Studios, which I had not heard of. They're a game studio in Denmark, and when they and later on at the bottom, kind of giving more details into why exactly they were shutting it down, they said that they were just going to be focusing more on games that they feel that gamers would, I guess, be shit with exact words, but it was pretty much they want to focus more on games that they feel gamers would be into, which, I mean, Fable Legends was not... I kind of fell off of the Fable thing after Fable 2, so, I mean... I didn't... I I beat one and never came back. Never came back? Okay. How about you, Mike? Did you like Fable or any of them? Me, my brother was into it, but I was... I mean, there was so much hype for Fable. Um, um, and I did like it. Um, it was an interesting experience uh, for the time that it came out. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> it's weird to step back and think about that whole era with Molyneux and yeah. his promises that kind of ended up becoming parody at a point. Um, it's, even, even though I, I really like him. But it's it's also like I'm glad he didn't get caught in the same machine that Kojima got caught up in, mm. where it's like, and now I just make more Fable. Um, so he made those, he made three of them, and then um, left. Yeah. So, and if you look at what Microsoft did to that studio. It's like, here, make more Fable. Make this whatever. I, I don't know if they wanted to make more Fable or what, but he got it out. He's doing his own thing, and then now this happens. Like He got it out such a long time ago that it's... I, I feel like... I don't want to say that he saw the writing on the wall that this would happen, but... Because mm-hmm. uh, it was so long ago, but at the same time, I'm like, it's definitely the right move to, to get out of there. When he did, yeah, it, it it almost felt like he when he left, he probably knew, yeah, this is now the Fable Company. Uh, I don't, I don't yeah. want to keep doing this. So, so. Yeah. so, big... so Kojima should should have done that about six years ago. Yeah, oh, no, just they like okay, this is RIP. This is their money maker, and it's all they're gonna do. We've yeah. seen many a company do it to varying degrees. Not all of them, you know, sort of become a blank company. You know what? Like, okay, what we. I think the goal. It, it's sort of like what we were talking about earlier, where it's okay. Here's the thing that makes the money, and you know, we've got the money. We have options, and you, know, you hope with those options they do something that inspires people, puts a bit more forward, and just. Here's an opportunity to make some more money. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, we've we see a lot of. I mean, like with Halo. I mean, with well, well I guess it's not true with Halo because like they just yeah, they branched out in some yeah. area. It's like, okay, let's try an RTS. Let's uh, have a game where you play as the grunts. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I think they're sorry. That shit is starting to get a little milked. I mean, I guess people like. I'd say the point where they release shit and people are just getting pissed off with them. That's mm. never a good place to be. 
same thing happened to Assassin's Creed. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, as long as they still do decent numbers, they're gonna keep making them. But I, I, it's, I, it's not the worst thing in the world to take a break off your IPs, fellas. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's also a good opportunity when when you give your your IP a break. I mean, it gets people excited for when it comes back. Instead right. Of just, yeah. Fucking Rockstar's the masters of that. Yeah. To the point where it's not just new GTA games, it's any new game that Rockstar makes. Yeah. Because they put a lot of effort into the... Just... It's not even like a huge thing with them because for the most part it's, okay, let's do GTA in this new setting. Like, they've been living on that one for a while now, but they put, they put the time, they put the work into it. They make it interesting. It's not... This obvious clone. It's like, okay, here's this new setting, but let's go all in on this new setting. Yeah. It's not even just, you know, okay, here's um, Red Dead or here's uh, LA Noir. I mean, even just the different GTAs between Vice City and San Andreas. Like, uh, sorry, I had a brain fart there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, that, that is one thing great about Rockstar is that even though, I mean, they had their main game, they do kind of, when they, 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 they do really some very unique and they have a lot of more diversity, which is, which is great. That's what game companies, that's what makes them, yeah, words. Anyway, good stuff. Uh, except for Lionheart. But I mean, at this point, really, I mean, the company was just, there's not, there really wasn't. They really weren't what they used to be. So, and I, and I think people were getting tired of the Fable games, so, which is probably why Microsoft just said, "Yeah, no, we're that. That's it. We're done." Uh, yeah, I didn't even know that that MMO came out. Yeah. Did it? Uh, which MMO? What do you mean? Which Isn't one? Is that what Fable Legends is? No, it was this um, like on rails type of game. It was what? not yeah. on rails. <laughs> Oh, it's, that's different. <laughs> yeah. What? In Fable? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fucking garbage. What? Oh, come on. That's... Yeah. <laughs> it looked really weird. It was It was very different from um, their usual games. It Why was... would that be a Fable game? An on-rails game? Are you sure it's an on-rails game? Uh, let me just double-check, but I, I swear <laughs> that it was like you were... That sounds extremely wrong. <laughs> Let me just double check. I may be thinking of something else. I think you're right. I think it was MMO. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, let me look this up. Cause not, I swear. Uh, don't worry about it, Joe. It's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I probably got that really wrong. But I don't remember it being an MMO, though. I don't think it's okay. It. I've screwed the names up of games I was talking. Uh, passionately, at least once on this show. Yeah. All right. Um, next article is uh, by Kotaku, and I put this one in there. It's, uh, I guess the new, the newest game that was it's being made by Team Ninja called Niho, 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 whatever. Neo. Yeah, Neo, Neo. It's basically it looks like Dark Souls, but I kept getting like an Omni Musha vibe from it. Japan. Yeah, it it looks yeah, it's um because Dark Souls is very much um fantasy 
inspired. So, yeah, it's uh, Japanese Dark Souls. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. Yeah, I mean, it's made by Team Ninja too. Looking at the trailer, you could definitely it had that look to it from a team rather from a Team Ninja game. But um, I guess that's what they're doing next. I mean, besides besides Dead or Alive and the Metroid the Metro game they made. I mean, what other? I'm not like a huge Team Ninja guiding game. God, that game was bad. The Metroid game. Oh, oh the one they made. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, it was the dialogue was god awful, and the storyline was shit. But the actual gameplay, I, I enjoyed a lot. Yeah, I, I can. I've only, I guess, saw like a cutscene collection of it. I have gameplays. That's one thing, but like, they took a beloved character and like let some guy not only make famous his waifu, but like inject daddy issues into her and made her baby crazy. Yeah. yeah it was I I can't believe I'm saying I can't believe I'm, I'm I can't believe I'm saying this, but I wish she never opened up her mouth. She just it was really the dialogue like Lionel said, the the That's the dialogue they gave her, they made her so submissive and it was just so disturbing and weird. Here's the thing. Here's here's my issue, right? Okay, so I got really into the Metroid games prior to this, and I find out that um, Samus is a couple of mentor type characters. Uh, the guy they had in there that was supposed to be like the daddy, the daddy issue vehicle, was one of them, sure. But she also had ones that were like aliens, mm. and like if what would you call the the male equivalent to a milf, dilf? <laughs> yes. If they didn't have like a dilfy motherfucker being the one she's like doing all this for, it may have like come across the way it was supposed to. But this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was thinking with their dick. <laughs> Look at her design, the zero suit has heels on it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It uh, yeah. she's always been more of like a it's been like a space western. She's like the lone cowboy that rides into town. Yeah. Insane yeah, the, the like the powered armor with no name. Yeah. Um, that's the thing too. It's like as much as uh, Joe was saying, he feels weird saying she should just never have spoken. Uh, that sort of stoicism to her character is. Uh, I, I think is like one of the most important things about her in the sense that. Male and female gamers alike have no problem imprinting on her. Yeah. Yeah. The road warrior. Yeah. Road warrior, Yojimbo, man with no name, sort of thing. The less they say, the fucking cooler they are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the thing that made it even worse for me, because I really love Metroid and Samus and that world, is that when they asked the writer, like, you know, the person who was doing all of her dialogue and stuff, that about, you know, her character and was this her true character, how she really was? And he said, yeah, this is how, if Samus, if I ever wanted Samus to speak, this is how I wanted her to be. And and it's like, that just made me cringe. It's like, no. Because elements of their... It's not just what they did. It's more so how they did it because 
want to say the framework for a lot of this stuff is already there. Yes, she had an attachment to the uh, Metroid hatchling. Yeah. Uh, they never, they don't call it the hatchling. They don't call it, I mean, it's the Super Metroid. It's the titular Super Metroid from Super Metroid. You could have called it that. You could have called it the hatchling. But they insisted on calling it the baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's oh, like man. the things they could have done to fix this, but it, this was all very deliberate in the direction of her, again, daddy issue waifu. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> back to uh, just the article real quick. Yeah, I mean, I just put in there because the game looked cool, and uh, I'm getting a little excited for it. And we'll see how it turns out. Hopefully, this will um, bring back Team Ninja and get everyone really excited about their stuff again. Because, yeah. All right. Impossible. Uh, yeah. I need to just. Take the fucking Ninja Gaiden engine and like make another IP with that because the, the gameplay's solid. It's like it's like a really good engine. And it's like maybe I mean maybe if they utilize elements like that with this new game and make the fights feel more like duels, the way certain boss fights did in the Ninja Gaiden games, and that'd be great. Sick. But like yeah, they gotta figure at least. Like, all the shit people give Itagaki, at least Itagaki knew which side his bread was buttered on. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at the trailer, it does have that feel of that, you know, of the, like, the look and feel and how the battles and the battle system mm-hmm. works. I mean, it looks very much like a, like a ninja. Yeah, it's, it's a game. Yeah, so. Yeah. All right, uh, this next one is... I, I just put this in here because GDC is, like, next week. And as we know, like, right before GDC, there's the indie, uh, like, I guess, like, the indie sessions and how they show off all their weird games and, and shit like that. And one game company called Video Gameo, I think that's pretty much how you pronounce it, uh, they just created this really weird... And I believe they even said it's made out of cardboard on the outside, and the inside, it's got, like, all hardware stuff and whatever. And they made uh, this uh, video game party system where it's just each player has like a two-button controller and they kind of just play a bunch of little indie games on it that they made. And I thought it was just kind of neat to have in there. I always love it when any developers start making their own little consoles. I remember at a previous GDC, another developer made this little game console out of like wood. And it's just, oh, those indies. They're funky in how they do things. Wait. You keep, keep doing what you're doing. Ladies and gentlemen, making these crazy consoles. Yeah, I mean they're not planning on selling it, like at you know, or anything. It's just like a prototype that they wanted to show off. But for some of their games, they loaded it on there. But it's still a really neat idea. I love I love seeing all these new consoles. It reminds me back in the day. Remember all those different handhelds were coming out by like Tiger, and like there was all these other ones. I can't remember. There were so many competing consoles that came out and handhelds. That was. Remember- this industry was fun. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, just wanted uh, to point these, that out. These people all look so happy in these pictures. <laughs> That's usually how the indie gaming sessions happen. Video game party system. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lost... I really... Fucking... It pisses me off that people don't care about co-op anymore. It just drives me fucking crazy. Couch co-op, I mean... Mm. 
you know, or yeah. multiplayer games that you can play with people. It's just like... Like, when it's easier to play with someone, like, across the country than a guy in the same room as you, that's like... It there. fucking sucks. Yeah, it does, because that experience is so much fun. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot more fun than having someone just play with them, playing with them over, like, online or something. Yeah. It's a whole different experience. All the yelling and screaming and punching and I mean uh, it's probably why people are smash, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's Half of the right people lose their shit over those games and yeah, they're they're fun as hell. I remember like uh me, Joe just kinda kinda go on smash binges hours and hours and hours at a time. And uh, I didn't even like Smash all that much. Yeah. He'd be there. Yeah. Is the phone close to your mouth, Lionel, or are you moving it back and forth? I think it's moving around. Okay. Yeah, because you keep you're talking and for and then it feels like it sounds like you're moving away from it and then you're coming back to it and you're moving away from it again and coming back to it. I think part of it is just the way Hangouts is handling his poor connection, like different than Skype. Good point. It could be that it's just, yeah, fuck. Yeah, because when you, there's kind of no midpoint. You either sound pretty good, like, mm. or you're kind of far away, whereas Skype is kind of all over the place. Yeah. Go back inside. Because uh, I was moving around a bit before. But... Yeah. It could be that just Hangouts is just trying as best as it can to just hold on yeah. to the connection. It's doing a pretty good job. Yes. You're definitely coming better, coming through better than on Skype. It might be because everybody tries to use Skype for everything. Yeah. So uh, this next article by Kotaku, why don't I think you put this in about the USV, uh, USV, UFC um, cover, which I thought was hilarious because... Both of them are no longer the champions. Ronda Rousey and um, uh, Conor McGregor. They both lost <laughs> really badly. And just completely like like out of nowhere. Like UFC, the, their biggest odds are just, I don't know. Like they've, they've been screwing those odds deep in the butt as of late. The underdog is the new favorite and the favorite is going to lose. And <laughs> it was it was one thing with Ronda, but uh, Connor, the guy he lost in there like ten days was it ten days in or ten days before the fight? Yeah, I mean, and the thing that just makes it so great is that Connor was the type of person who just he talks a tremendous amount of shit. I mean, he just he just goes off, and then to see him finally go down. And were unabashed about like saying whatever the heck they wanted and just completely annihilated they got into the they seemed indestructible. Well, I mean, the, the thing about it too is that two seconds after immediately. Yeah, and the thing that uh, I like about it is that well, I like how McGregor handled it better than Ronda. McGregor at the very end, uh, he, he was you know he was just 
He's like, yeah, I lost, you know, just whatever for all, to all the haters, just deal with it. I'm going to come back, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that was like a good way to handle it. Rhonda, she went into a, a deep depression, and then she said that she was probably going to kill herself if she thought about it a few times. And it's just, she just couldn't take it, which I totally understand because if you think about her, um, her past, I mean, she's always, always been a winner. Like, even before she went into the UFC and she was doing the, the judo, she was constantly winning, like, all the time. So when she finally lost, yeah, I could see why it would be a crushing blow to her, and she just couldn't take it. It was pretty much the end of end of her world. But, uh, one of the big differences here, though, is, uh, I get the impression that all the shit talking is like he may be a boisterous individual, but um, I get the feeling with him it's infinitely more a tactic because it is. It is. That's his holiest tactic. Lights over, it stops. It does, and, yeah. I think he said And I've seen him both, you know, actually back that. Whereas I think Rhonda was just more of a maybe just more of a hostile present. His wrestling was kind of demons. Well, I mean, well, you got to think about it. Like, Rhonda, before she lost, she had never, ever lost. So she was kind of really full of herself and because she was always winning. But McGregor, before he became the champion and um, and beat uh, – like, I can't remember his name. But after he um, he beat him to get the belt, I mean, he had, he had lost. Like, back in Ireland, I mean, he had lost lots of matches and stuff like that. I mean, he, he wasn't always a winner. So – been undefeated for like what ten years? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So I mean, he was kind of really the underdog, and so he kind of had the right. And what's great about his character is that he's a great fighter because even though, like you were saying, he talks all the shit. Once the match is over, he's a great guy. I mean, many people who've talked and encountered with him, they said, you know, he's, he's not a, like an asshole after. I mean, he's just he's just he's really good at what he does, and it's all about the the mental the mental tactics. And it's he's, yeah, he's great. But anyway, everyone's going to look at this cover and just think about money lost. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Co-workers the following day, the pay-per-view, they spent all that money on the hour spent like waiting to get into whatever restaurant or bar was playing the fight. And then it's like, you not only see your favorite go down, but they go down hard and yeah, exactly. But um, but yeah, that was, that was kind of funny. That um, two losers. Hey, jump of cables. Would you do Ronda Rousey? Oh. No, and only because I kind of don't think I like her on a personal level. Really? Why not? She seems nice. Uh, I never got that feeling. She's always nice in interviews. I see of her. Uh, and she loves video games. Most of what I've seen of her is in like pre-fight stuff. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong shit. But like, she's kind of mean. Kind of mean to her opponent. She she really is. And there's also that reality uh, UFC show. She's kind of a bitch on there. Hmm. Is she a coach on that? Yeah, she's up for a season or something. She was a coach for a little while, and she's just mean to them. I mean, I, it, I maybe know. it's just that world, like that aspect of her life where all the aggression goes. And, well, I mean, and also, too, I think it's like I said, it's a huge, 
it really comes from the fact that she was undefeated. So she just was full of herself. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure she's a lot more uh, better yeah. now. But uh, yeah, I'm sure that's where that came from. I only ever see her on talk shows. Yeah, if you if you watch the interviews when she's talking about her competitors or just UFC in general, or uh, she's not that nice. I mean, like, I've seen that stuff too. Yeah, I don't know. She's she's, she's okay. Why? Okay. Uh, next article by Polygon. Valve returns. <clears throat> to Aperture Science with new VR experiments called The Lab. And they're going to be releasing this for free on Steam, which is going to be a collection of uh, just weird VR experiments you can do that take place take place back in the, the portal world. And they're kind of like saying if you use the HTC Vive, you can experience them and stuff like that. Um, I mean, just once again, it feels like I put a goddamn VR article in every show these days, and it's just, it's because it's everywhere. Because we're preparing, we're preparing (laughs) for the fucking shit to come and then the bubble to burst. And it's going to be a huge fucking bubble. I mean, it's, it is crazy. There was... Can you imagine if it pops? This is going to be crazy. It is. I mean, there was one. I should put that article here, but there was one game company. Oh, it was the game company that did. Um, it's the VR game where you're just basically simulate work simulator. That's what it is. It's the work simulator game, and they were saying that VR. They feel VR is really the next big thing. That pretty much all the games they make from here on out are going to be VR games. They're gonna. They're not even going to make any other type of game at this point. It's just. It's yeah. When it explodes, when that bubble pops, it's going to be fucking huge. I don't want it to... Basically, I'm just saying, I, I don't want VR to die entirely. Mm. It won't. No. It, um, it's it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's going to get big, but I don't know if it's going to explode. I think it's going to be a lot harder for some of these bigger companies than they think it's going to mm. be. Because people are, are looking at these numbers and they're like, all right, well, let's throw our $800 VR set or $400 one. It really, it's hard to predict what the hell's going to happen until we know Sony's numbers. Yeah. Because um, that's going to be, that could really make or break the entire VR industry. Um, and they, Sony, Sony's done this before they did the push with dvd and that became the standard and and blu-rays and that became the standard blu-ray was a little rougher because it was more expensive but eventually everyone came around to the format because the format was just the best um but but yeah it's that's really what we got to wait and see on is what they're going to price is is it going to be an accessible price point are they going to bundle this in with ps4s uh which you know they they will, but at what mm. price? Um, yeah, it's just and and how high quality is it going to be? Like, I don't know. But, yeah. but yeah, I feel like some of these bigger companies that are trying to put out like super high quality stuff are. Yeah, I mean, VR won't die because it. It sort of started to pop up in the 90s, then died because we weren't ready for it. But the idea is kind of 
eternal, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> this is why we're seeing it now. So it'll, even if we get this big boom, like if something happens, it, we'll still get it later when it's a little cheaper and the experiences can be you know high quality for a cheap cost. But like I said before, I don't think it's super high production at this point. It's like when film films first started being shown, it was no black and white and no sound, and it was like, wow. Like, there wasn't a company out saying, you know, pay us like 10 times the amount of money to come see in color and surround sound because um, they didn't have the technology. But even if they did, I don't think people would have watched to it. Maybe the rich would. Mm -hmm. but again, that's, that's a niche thing. So, and that's why a uh, famous film historian called film uh, cheap entertainment for cheap people. Because you could go when it was hot, you'd go see a movie, a black and white movie with no sound for like a nickel to get out of the fucking heat for like a few minutes. Lionel, I'm actually kind of curious, what kind of experience are you looking forward to the most with VR? Are you looking for a simulator, an RPG, or what, what kind of, what do you want out of it? I didn't even think of an RPG, but like, uh, think about what would work with, with VR. Like maybe a a giant robot simulator. Mm. Well, that would be cool, but that would be cool with anything. I was thinking maybe like, what if you got somebody else to do heavy rain in like VR, or like that alone in the dark game where your menu was like shifting through your coat, like. <laughs> In a VR type game where it's like you don't necessarily actually grab an item, but like you could go for the item by reaching in to a coat, or I don't know. Uh, for like a RPG, it might be interesting. Um, uh, sorry, I had a thought there. Brain <laughs> farts tonight. Yeah. Take a shit in a bucket straight out of low cash. Yeah. Um, weird to like invoke David Cage in a positive like this, but like you could take make mechanics out of like simpler stuff and just like by virtue of your perspective in this world make it infinitely more compelling than it might normally be. Like you don't have to have a shooter where you gotta like fight off 50 guys in some warehouse full of robots and shit. It could just be you waiting for the moment to draw your gun and hoping to draw on this guy. Mm. Yeah, that'd be cool. It'd be like Shenmue where you just walk around looking at different salt shakers in a store. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody knows where sailors like to hang out. Yeah. And where that could work. <laughs> uh, Harvest Moon Simulator. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, them crops. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Mike, is, is, I mean, what exactly do you want of VR? I mean, is there any experience you really excited to try with it at all? I don't fucking know. Yeah. The fucking, the, one of, there's a Starship game that's coming to PS4, I think, which is uh, one of the few things that I think makes perfect sense in VR. Mm. You, you don't move. 
Um, but yeah, you you looking around inside of a cockpit is just perfect because you're stationary. You don't have to really do. You don't really have to account for the rest of your body. Yeah. Doing anything like it makes sense to to move with a controller or a keyboard or a mouse and still be able to look. But uh, I mean, other than that, I don't know. I'm mildly interested in watching movies on it, but not really. Mm. Um, it could be interesting. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to attack the hacking apparatus and become the lawnmower man. I thought you were going to say and, and do some fucking hentai games. Oh, God. The vacuum cleaner. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean, just in Europe, they actually opened up a movie theater that's all VR. And it, some of the pictures are really, they're pretty strange. It's, a, it's just a bunch, it's a big room with a bunch of chairs everywhere and people have VR headsets on and that's, and they're eating popcorn and that's it. It's very strange looking. That sounds fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds awful. It, it looks really depressing. It's like, why is it? Uh, no. no, no. Like, yeah. like I was talking to you guys in a previous episode until the VR movie is what I described where you're always just a person in the area of the event that's going down until it's that mm. I, I got nothing to say to them. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't really understand to the VR. If you're eating popcorn while doing it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand the, I don't know. They didn't, I didn't really see the, you know, what they were watching, but it's just that experience just seems, <laughs> just yeah. seems kind of weird. I mean, there's me. been some stuff. I remember as a kid going to see this panoramic, uh, some theater where it was, it was just like a nature short or something where the, the whole theater was like 360 degrees or maybe 180 mm. where you could look around the whole thing. Um, and actually Bjork did a music video recently that was, I, I think, 360 degrees i think you could look at it on the web and like look around and stuff and there might have been like an art installation somewhere but stuff like that i think that will get big again it depends on accessibility like i said before um it doesn't have to be extraordinary right it can just mm. run like something simple like you could have a, a low low tier skew but that will appeal to the masses if people like you know Bjork or say fucking if Rihanna and Beyonce make like videos that it's like you can only look at in VR in 360 like those things are going to sell and like mm. more artists start playing with that or you know filmmakers start doing shit like that um, I think that will help popularity but then again it's like yeah, like yeah. it's like oh shit. Let me just put my phone in this thing, and then I can watch this video. So yeah, I think that that's a the, probably the best way to get people to just short little clips, like get those cardboard things out to as many people as you can, you know. Yeah, I mean that's why yeah with Google. I mean they're doing they're, they're making it like having lots of full support or trying to put in lots of full support of. VR for the YouTube videos and 
giving options for that. And I believe Facebook said that with their videos, they're now giving the option to watch it in VR as well. So, which makes sense because they own Oculus. So, but yeah, everyone seems to getting getting prepared for it, and they're integrating it more and more into everything. So, which makes it more accessible. So it should be interesting. Okay, so next article. This is actually kind of a bit similar. So I think we talked about this a few episodes back. It's by Polygon, and it's related to so the the company that owns the the Coleco uh, brand. They were going to make a console that just for like that just plays retro games like eighteen the sixteen bit and eight bit games. And originally they had teamed up with a company called Retro VGS. They were the ones that were going to build the console, and now they're actually severing ties with them completely because apparently what they were trying to create was not exactly great. And apparently at the toy, the New York Toy Fair, which happened maybe like a month or so ago, uh, <laughs> the, what they were demoing for the console was possibly a Super Nintendo inside of an Atari Jaguar casing. <laughs> So, which is kind of janky and shady. And when they were, this was great about it. Like when they were, uh, when I think it was the chief editor of the Retro VGS magazine was asked about that. He just said like no comment or stuff like that. And he ended up, and apparently he ended up um, leaving the company like about like a week later because he just <laughs> didn't really want to deal with it anymore. So well, there, mean, was some shady said, thing. Yeah. there was some sounds, shady thing going on. He sounds on. like a badass. <laughs> I mean, if you look at these pictures, they're hilarious. Um, seeing the Super Nintendo in the the casing, I mean, it's it's oh, it's great. But um, yeah, so there was some shady shit going on there, and who knows what was happening. But that's not happening. I mean, it was already kind of a bad idea to begin with. I mean, it's not. I don't think that console would have done well. Well, even make anything though. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so clearly they weren't putting a lot of effort into building that thing if they just were using a Super Nintendo as a proof of concept. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing. Uh, all right, so th- this final article by Polygon is called Real Life Hitman Gives YouTubers Control Over an Actual Agent 47. So this, the same company that makes the made this video where it's really cool i mean if you I don't know if you guys watched it or not they did a video before it was another first uh, another thing like this where you would kind of talk to this guy and walk him through the world and give him tell him the decisions that he should be making and right now it's that same thing again but with hitman and it's really cool they, they yell things at him and he actually listens and does it as he's walking through the world so it's it's pretty cool uh he ends up getting shot and stuff, but I don't know. Did you guys get a chance to see the video at all? No. No. All right. Well, if you ever get a chance to, it's pretty neat. I kind of want to see more stuff like this because it's 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 really entertaining and it makes it really neat that you have the ability to control what exactly that person's going to do in uh in in that world and watch them do it as you say for them to do it. Like you know, shoot this guy, punch this guy. Go to the left, go to the right. It's kind of neat. Like, uh, the, uh, oh, like uh, a Sega Saturn uh, fucking FMV game. Oh, uh, yeah. 
death something. Death so, no, I can't remember. Dang it. Uh, there was a uh, name of that shooter. Yeah. Night trap. Night trap. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, that was that was good. It was um, good clown. Yeah. But um. Anyway, it's always kind of fun to give con- more control to the players and make it seem like it's more real. Uh, that's all the articles we have for tonight. Yeah, so, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. That was too much. Yeah, it was. Uh, thank God we did it earlier. I had to chop out some of those articles. My brain is so fried already. Yeah, well, it's not 12, so that's good. All right, let's jump on to the topic. Mike, explain. Ah, what are your favorite sounding games? Whether mm. it's just, you know, the punch of a gun or punch something that gun. sounds authentic, you mm. know, like, you know, just fucking having Kevin Conroy's voice in your ear or something or, mm. or, or just your favorite soundtracks, your best sound, your best favorite moments involving music or whatever, man. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so I have two. One would be I love the sound of the reloading of the gun in Modern Warfare. And just the the sound of like just the the clip coming out and just kind of re redoing it. Just everything about it. I just it's oh, great. I would do it so many times. That for some reason that's one of my favorite parts. Just the animation and the sound effects of it, and just seeing the smoke sometimes come out and just. All of that, that whole experience, for some reason, I found very excitable and entertaining. Yeah, if a if a if an FPS doesn't have satisfying gunshot sounds, mm. I just can't play it. It doesn't seem right, but but if it does, it just sounds so much more. Yes. Uh, I think my favorite sounding first person shooter was uh, the the Brothers in Arms games. They just sounded so. There's so much punch. Mm. In there, in the weapon sounds, it just sounded dirty, gritty, and raw. Is is tight. Yeah, and when it, when it comes to a war game, that that sort of stuff just is so important to make it feel more authentic. So that I think that's probably also why it feels so in so impactful. That's why I like it a lot. It really makes the whole experience that much more exciting. Um, and I guess the other game. The the music of the game Splatoon, it's just oh, it's so great. It's like, it's punk rock, techno-ish, J-pop music. It's really a strange mix of all all these different sounds that happen mm-hmm. all the time as you're playing the game. It's it's really great. It gets to be, just the beat of the game is really exciting. And as you're playing through it, you know, if it's multiplayer or single player, it just gets me excited and jumping and just wanting to keep playing. So uh, definitely the, the soundtrack of that game, I found just, ugh, just, I'm just thinking about it right now. It's making me happy. It's a very joyful, <laughs> joyful soundtrack. So. What's your favorite soundtrack? My favorite soundtrack would definitely have to be the Final Fantasy VI soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's the music is just so beautiful, 
Um, out of all the Final Fantasy games, I believe the music. Yeah, it's just every. It's like the music from the um, when you're in the opera house. Ah, oh, so good. And the opening music is even. Ah, oh, it's just it's fantastic. All of it's fantastic. Even the overworld music. Ah, it's, it's great. Great, 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 great sounding stuff. Very well orchestrated. Um, those are my games. What do you think, Jumper Cables? Um, let's see. When you mentioned best sounding games, two came to mind. One's a bit obvious for me. Uh, I think uh, another can be argued a bit more objectively. The obvious one for me is Gunstar Heroes. Uh, soundtrack just goes so well with uh, everything you're doing. Um, all the characters have uh, unique uh, standout themes that, like, it's one of those games I think, like, after you've played it a couple of times, just based on the sound music, you could potentially beat the game blind. Um, I say this about another game. This is the one that has a bit more objective merit in uh, Punch Out. <laughs> in that, those noises for anyone who grew up playing that game are kind of like synonymous with that, like, time period and that experience. Like, like, Talking about uh, sound in games, there's a something that happens in games from time to time that I love. I mean, not just this in games, just in media in general. But there's a maybe two big examples I can give. And this is when the um, I, don't know, I guess like a character theme is used in another location to invoke something. Um, the biggest example of this is uh, Double Dragon, specifically. Whenever the final boss shows up, it's not this ominous theme, but actually the game kicked in almost like triumphantly. And it always felt to me like the game was like this was the final push. So the game was letting you know you were almost there. You had one fight. You just got to go a little harder one more time, and you'll you know you'll reach the end. And uh, the other game that does this is, I want to say, is Beautiful Joe. Mm. I think that happens. I think every time you fight the final, final boss, it's, uh, I don't know if it's Joe's theme, but it's not like a super boss theme. It's something. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. I think think you're you're right, though. I'm trying to remember, too. Yeah. But Beautiful uh, Joe did another thing that I really liked, especially uh, specifically is uh, at one point you have to try and fight the last boss without, um, I guess maybe this is spoilers, I don't know, but in your unhinged form. Mm. And um, as you uh, kind of go on, go through the fight, you'll notice there's, there's characters chanting the name of the character you have on screen. Screen, screen, and it'll get louder the longer you survive the battle. <laughs> that is really just just really motivating. God, that game was hard. It was. But, um, favorite soundtrack? I think I gotta go with a classic, just because like Sonic the Hedgehog. I think I like every song on that thing. Yeah. With uh, maybe uh, 
brought some shit like heavy shit I think uh, not always but often I'll hear the music for the final level in my head <laughs> you know I've heard cash registers that make sonic noises you do <laughs> Yeah. I wonder if that's what they got. You like collect a ring or something? Yeah, I've heard that, and I think I've heard like when you hit the uh, the little like the TV. Huh? Talking about when it like you you like pop open the TV and get like rings or a life or something. Mm. No, I know I've heard the the. When you're in the bonus stage and you hit the bouncy things, I know I've heard that one come out of cash register. I've heard the oh. the the ring collection too. Yeah, it's, it's really random. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Mike, how about you? I got so many. I'm. I love sound. <laughs> let me let me just brain blast. Back. What we gonna do here is go back, <laughs> way back. <laughs> um, let's see. Fucking Tekken Two has an amazing soundtrack, and uh, and something that I appreciate with the newer Tekken games is that, especially with like Kazuya, they keep like the same grunts. I don't know if they've kept if it's the same actor from Tekken Two, but they. They definitely, when they got the newer voice actors into the booth, they were like, this is what the old one sounds like. Try and try and make that sound. And they still make those same weird sounds that they made back in the day. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but yeah, that, that game just had so much atmosphere, and a lot of it was due to the music. Uh, same with all those, those games. Well, I remember telling you at one point I didn't like the desert theme from the original. <laughs> Shit scared. Yeah. That's good. That whole soundtrack is amazing. There are a lot of... A lot of... It's something that I grew a, a more of an appreciation for as time went on. Because I, I never really liked... I really, as a kid, hated uh, fake synth, uh, like classical music. Mm. Um, but going back to some of the stuff that I thought sounded cheesy at the time um, has really grown on me. Like the Tekken 2 opening intro, that's just so good. Um, but all of the Tekken games have amazing music, and they, well, not some of the more recent ones. They've kind of devolved into this weird dubby techno weird bullshit. Uh, they let you customize the soundtrack. So there's some there's standouts even later ones like uh, I really like High Rollers Club from Six. I still haven't really. Well, I, I don't know. I have it on PSP. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I mean. MGS1, I was listening to that soundtrack today. I've, I've been listening to it. Um, that's another one where I kind of thought some of the stuff was cheesy. And some of it is, but I never realized until later that I used to associate electronic scores with kind of cheapness. Um, but 
going back, that score is actually pretty brilliant. Um, that's just so atmospheric and weird and dark and moody. Um, but one of my favorite scores of all time for a game is Final Fantasy VIII. It's just huge part of my childhood. Just and again, same thing. All that stuff that's synth, faux, uh, orchestra is just sounds amazing to me now. Like it's just all of the music that they crammed into those four discs is just amazing. There's just variety at every turn. It, there's like, which is crazy to think about now. It's like that game had like over, you know, it was like an eighty-hour-long game and. And you were exposed to new music, like, probably at least every hour there was a new song or something. I think uh, the one that really stood out to me in the sense that, like, it got legit pumped a ways into the game is when you hit that first flashback sequence and Laguna's team has their own theme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just so much fucking... For, it's so, like, upbeat and energy-fueled and... Yeah, I kind of want to stay in that world. Yeah, they put in that's such an underrated score. Just to have that much music and to have it all sound that good is just, I mean, and the whole sound design, just the sound of the summons and the magic and the, uh, yeah, it's just a good sounding game. Um, Going forward more chronologically, this is another one of my absolutely favorite soundtracks. Is fucking Jet Grind Radio. Again, I was just listening to it the other day. It's just so good. Hideki Naganuma is a genius. He's the funkiest Japanese man to ever walk the planet. He's, he should be a funk god. I'm like... <laughs> part of me is like upset that he's not like world-renowned, that he's not... Like he should be in America, like shaping the sound of hip hop right now or something. Yeah. His music is so good. I mean, case in point, like I think, Mike, I've told you my favorite song on there is Humming the Next Line, which is the uh, Choose Your Character song. Yeah. I heard that song every time I had to make a decision. <laughs> anything, I'd just be dancing the whole time. It's like going to a But, uh, yeah, and all the Metal Gear games uh, as well. But uh, I don't know if I'm... Probably there's there's so many that I could talk about. (laughs) The the Battlefield games sound amazing. Like, a battle... As far as being on a battlefield, like, just the bullet whizzing and all the noises and the the crackling, how the guns sound, sound far away when they are far away and how much punch they have when they are near. And... Those games have amazing sound mixing, but uh, a game that I've, I think I've talked about it before, and I consider it just a masterpiece and maybe the greatest game of all time is a uh, Fez. Um, mm. Fez's score is so integral and tied to its atmosphere. 
in its gameplay. Just everything about that game, everything is so cohesive. It's just, it, it's an experience. And it's a beautiful experience. And the music by Disaster Piece is just, it just fits so well. And the, especially what they did with the ending music, it's just beautiful. I consider, like, if The Last of Us, I said this, like, <laughs> I applied for a job at an electronics store and they asked about video games. And I said this, and I said, if The Last of Us is the Citizen Kane of gaming, then Fez is the 2001 A Space Odyssey. Damn. It's just so... And the music is just... Mm. It's good. It's just fucking... It's, the whole game's a masterpiece. I could go on about it, but... Yeah. I don't know. That's... I have... I probably have more, but that's about it. <laughs> Of my memory, um, small one in this is proof that the RE games too big. Was um, I want to say up until Resident Evil, I guess just Resident Evil Four, sound played a big role in the game in the sense that um, every enemy had a sort of vocal tick, like, um, like a room or two over. Uh, I think hunters would make like a snapping noise with their fingers. Yeah. Um, I think you could hear uh, liquor skittering about on like the floor or ceiling. And it all went towards, you know, planning your next move. Okay, what's in there? How far away or close is it? Which direction should I turn when I go through this door? Yeah. That's another and, thing that. Uh... The Last of Us does really well. Maybe not to the same extent because they don't have as uh, much enemy variety, but this mechanic though in there, right? Yeah. Like actually, actively listening for things is a mechanic in the game. So they're like, yeah, kind of took it a step, uh, a step up, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 good, good, go ahead. I know. Go ahead. No, I was just. I was just going to transition to the other stuff, but if you have uh, more no. stuff, go. Uh, God, when, I can't believe I forget this. I'm tired, but I mentioned it earlier. But uh, fucking one of my absolutely just favorite sounding games from just score to like weird noises and like everything is Way of the Samurai. Oh, it's yeah. Just, it's just so fucking charming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's they, so that like nobody thought about everything in that game. <laughs> Yeah, everybody has their own. If you've never played it, basically uh, they do the text uh, speech bubbles and with mumbles, and the mumbles are hilarious. <laughs> yeah. People are just like, eh? yeah. They're just like, who? It's like, it's... yeah. What? <laughs> It's too funny, but I actually I listen to that the score quite a bit. The music is amazing in that game. It's so a lot of it's just really peaceful Japanese music, mm-hmm. and some of it's like really fast Japanese music. But it it's just so well written. And it, again, it's another game that's its atmosphere is really tied to the music. 
alongside mm-hmm. the visuals and they just marry completely well like when it's dark and cold out that so is the music when it's warm and sunny and bright so is the music um mm-hmm. when it's dark and there's violence happening the music is dark and, and there's for it's just so that game is such a fucking gem like mm-hmm. it's just an overlooked gem Actually, take and the music, not just the music, the sounds in general plays a huge role. Hmm. Uh, another set of games I really like with the sound is the Harvest Moon games. And what I love what they do the most is that since that game is really all about the atmosphere, I mean, it's really about just simulating just farm life. The mo- one of the moments I love, just absolutely love, is that when it becomes near, like it, it, when it's in the evening or kind of maybe a little bit late at night, when you're running, the music is kind of turned off and it's just you hear your footsteps running. And when you go up to the mountain or kind of further up into the woods, you'll hear like crickets at night or you'll just, it just really, you hear just nature pretty much. And it's a really just nice, calming moment when you're, you're kind of seeing the sky and you're way up on top of the, on, up in the mountains, and you're just hearing the crickets and other little, like, animals rustling in the bushes, and it's just, it's it's just great that they went that far with it to really kind of simulate that experience and the feeling of actually being out in nature. I mean, I could just walk out the door and hear that, but I'm just, <laughs> but in the game, it just, it was cool. It just, it just felt, felt nice. And you might Yeah, I didn't hear any of that. <laughs> you kind of were out there. Can you repeat it one more time? Um, no. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, uh, let's see if I can pick anything else. Uh, Joe, do you remember Guitar Man? I don't think I do. What? Uh, what was it about again? It was originally a PSP game. They ported the PS2. It was like a rhythm game you played with the analog sticks and uh, alien weapon and you fight these bosses and each boss represents a different genre of music huh uh, I that. that sounds cool though yeah I think the first level was like uh, aliens like uh, a blues guy with, a, uh, with like a Sky Blue Trump. He's called Mojo King B. Mm. <laughs> it's different. Definitely out there in crazy the work into the into the songs. Like, uh, yeah. I like big butts and I cannot lie. <laughs> All right, let's move, let's move on to the next part. Uh, recommendations or what we've been playing, basically. Um, uh, Lionel, how about you go first? What you been doing? Want me to talk? Okay. Um, well, I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet on account of uh, super shitty internet, but uh, Stardew Valley. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, 
don't know. I guess that's it. Wait, did you, did you tell me else? Or did you said that was it. Yeah, I said that was it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Mike, how about you? I ain't been playing shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love this. This is great. Uh, me, I haven't been playing much of anything. Don't play either. Way of the Samurai, though. It'll change your life. Yeah. Find a copy on the internet. It's so fucking cute. Cute. Cutie pie. Ah. Um... Uh, I got excited after seeing the Nintendo Direct's latest one when they announced the Bravely Second, which is the sequel to Bravely Default. And so I started playing Bravely Default again. I remember why I stopped playing it because I was fucking stuck on a boss that I couldn't beat. So I turned the game back off again. So I won't be playing that again. So I played that for like 10 minutes and got frustrated. But um, <laughs> they're releasing the demo for the second one for free on the Nintendo uh, eShop, so that's coming out on the March 10th, so I'm excited to check that out. Uh, if you have a 3DS, I would say check that out. But that's really all I've been playing. That's all I got. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right, final thoughts. Ass to ass. Yes. That is definitely a thought and an image. Yeah. You got any final thoughts, Lionel? Fuck your couch, Konami. Yeah. We're done. Oh, yeah. I don't know We're what roll. <laughs> yeah. Let's roll the rig. Oh, what a surprise. You, we didn't do it on my show again. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, damn it. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Why do we keep forgetting that? Um, all right. Uh, I'll go first this time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, if you want to know more about the show and hear more and know about more gaming news, I go on about it on the Twitter at NAGP Returns. Just follow me there, and you get to hear all kinds of crazy ramblings and hashtags, so many hashtags. And Joe and posts sexy pics on his Twitter for your perusing. Yeah, I do. I posted some cosplay pics, I think like yesterday or something. What? You did? I did. Of yourself? <laughs> no. Uh, you put on a special bash to stay in If I cosplay, who do you guys see me as? Oh, God, that's a good one. Mm. Oh, I already know the answer. I've said this before. Uh, oh, but you haven't seen the episode. Jumbo Kills, you know. Uh, Udai from Cowboy Bebop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sick. 
<laughs> You're all wrong already. <laughs> you just got to get a rat tail. Oh, I could probably make that work. I used to have yeah. one. What? Long, <laughs> when I like in elementary school, it was a long time ago. Are there pictures? No, no, all those pictures are like in boxes in the garage. So there are pictures. Well, probably, maybe. I, I mean, I haven't oh looked. God. But you that was a long time ago. How did did you have a fro with the rat tail? I did, and it's just kind of, and it grew, it grew out a little bit more in the back, so we braid it or something, just tie it up a little bit. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I gotta watch Bebop then. I mean, if there's someone, yeah, if you guys are saying. Cool like, uh, guy alert. Yeah. All right, uh, Mike, where can I find your show? Where can you find my show? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Why, you can find it at Hyper 90s. Spill out the 90s. Uh, yeah. What do you talk about, man? What do you, what do, you, what do, you do okay. there? I talk about... Uh, <laughs> I talk about um, Joe's beard. Mm. No, right this month we have an episode up about Goldeneye. And it's just a bunch of fucking, we just babble. <laughs> oh, and we got this third guy here. Dalton off. Yeah, third guy, Lionel. Where can I find your show? You'd like to help me stay off my crippled depression and, you know, accompany me to the void. You can find me at, um, at Otaku Connect on the Twitters. I do this uh, stupid-ass anime show called Otaku Connection where it's like me and then Mike and Joe pretend to be jaded otaku like myself and mostly just make fun of the things I like. Uh, I think this week. Uh, what is it? Yeah, yeah. This week we'll we'll be talking about the Grappler Baki OVA. So like, guys, put that in their arms. Piping hot ass weapons, likes of which you've never seen before. <laughs> uh, tell them about the bonus episode. When is that going up? Oh, yeah, so in order for you to benefit from my failure, um, Golden Boy, the original Golden Boy episode prior week didn't pan out the way I'd liked. So to make up for that, and just I have something to do, I uh, released a extended version of was it, the Super Gaiden Redux Golden Boy Special. It's over an hour and a half long. As close as we're ever going to get to podcasting greatness. <laughs> that was a good episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. All right. You know who we are. You know where to find us. That's it. Uh, it's like that song. Reading Rainbow? You know my name. Take a look. Be yourself. 
because no one else will fucking I can't remember.